Is there something that you've been wanting to tell your dad that you haven't had the chance to because you're afraid? Have you as a son or as a dad tried having tough conversations, but they always end up in fights or silence? If so, this podcast episode is for you. Hello, welcome to Real Talk with Father and Son. It's your hosts, Isaac Ketchatorian, the millennial. And this is the father of three Ketchatorian, Generation X, best generation there is. Hey, hey, I don't know about that. But what I do know is that we're going to be having genuine conversations about tough topics from both of our generations. Let's get this going. So the framework that we're using for today's episode comes from the book Crucial Conversations. This is a book for tools for talking when stakes are high. This is a book that both dad and I have read, and I've actually received specific trainings on this for one of the companies that I worked for. Uh, It was part of our corporate training. And so we're going to be talking about some specific principles from this book today. But there's a lot of different conversations that we have, like my dad mentioned, where stakes are really high. This could be... Maybe you as a son don't want to go to college. You don't want to do the family business. These are all different types of situations, scenarios uh, that that really do ultimately have high stakes, um, high emotions. And we're going to kind of break down some examples today, as well as just talk through how we can manage these conversations. Full disclaimer, my dad and I are definitely not uh, therapists or counselors. So we're going to do our best to kind of walk through some of the steps in the book that we've learned from and then use uh, some examples or do some role plays that we think would be helpful to help all of y'all out through some of these tough conversations. So crucial conversations, basically like what Isaac said, the stakes are high, opinions vary, and emotions are strong. Those are the three kind of elements of what a crucial conversation is. Martin Luther King, just quoting him, said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. So I think uh, the key thing about these crucial conversations is to engage in dialogue that's healthy and productive, and that's going to basically build on a relationship that will be worthwhile for both you and your father. I think what we'd like to do is share our own crucial conversations that we've had in our history, and I'll let Isaac kind of share a couple stories in regards to that, and we can discuss that in in further detail. Yeah, I... The first story that comes to mind is is uh, we can look back on it now with with humor, but uh, I crashed my dad's car, and <laughs> as you can imagine, that would require a crucial conversation. Uh, <laughs> so what ha- what had happened was I was backing my dad's. You know, my dad's cars are usually his babies, just a typical father, right? I think a lot of dads can can relate to this. So at the time, this was this was a while ago. He had a, a Mazda Miata, his convertible. You know, it was a nice day. I remember the top was down. We had to stop by his office. And so he went inside his office. And while he went inside the office, I just decided to back his car in to a parking spot. Well, little did I know that there was a pole in my blind spot. I backed that car up and hit that pole and a big dent, like huge, was right on the trunk of his car and it wasn't like a it wasn't like a little baby golf ball dent like this was like a huge indention like a complete outline of the pole in fact when i tried to put it back in drive the car was so wrapped around the pole 
that it struggled like detaching from the pole. So to give you a visual, that's that's how deep of a deep of a dent that this this car had. And so I put it back in drive. I immediately obviously assessed the damage and was like, oh sh- beep. <laughs> my dad's gonna be pissed. And so I my heart's racing, I'm panicking, and I know any minute he's gonna be coming out of his office. And so what I try to do is I cover up I try to cover his view of the car he sure enough he comes out the door and I say I immediately come up to him and I say dad 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 please don't be angry please don't be angry and he starts laughing because I'm always a jokester so he starts giggling and he's like quit messing around Isaac quit and he looks over my shoulder and he says (gasps) and he immediately shoves me aside and says what did you do Yeah, as you can imagine, uh, my emotions are like, what the heck? So Isaac, uh, I think he actually, he just learned how to drive a stick shift, first of all. So um, so he was like practicing his stick shift driving skills. And he was pretty good. Obviously, I felt comfortable enough for him to go ahead and use the Miata. I went into the work to kind of do a couple things just uh, off where everybody's home, away from work. So I was the only one in the office at the time. But he came back probably not too long, probably less than 30 minutes. And, um, no, I came out of the, the back door casually. And like he said, he blocked the view of the car. So I didn't think anything of it. And I thought, like he said, he was messing around. And I think he even said that he uh, dented the car. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then as soon as I looked around the, his shoulder, I saw the dent. Now, the, I didn't realize that he had a hard time getting the car out of the dent. That was the first time I heard that <laughs> just now. So... Uh, <laughs> that was a, that was a little detail he did not reveal at the time. That, I spared some detail. Yeah, but but surprisingly, I didn't go ballistic. You know, I think if we were to kind of bring up that scenario theoretically before this happened, I would have probably said, oh, yeah, I would have gone crazy about it because, like I said, I really like that car a lot. I don't know, Isaac. What do you think? How do you think I responded? <laughs> Honestly, the whole situation was, <laughs> I couldn't help a lot. Well, what what happened after the situation is we hop in the car and my dad goes, we're going to the detailer right now. We're going to the body shop right now. And we drove straight to the body shop. He's like, we're getting a quote so you can see how much this cost. <laughs> <laughs> my dad spared no time so you know it, it, for for doing something that drastic i mean obviously the car wasn't totaled by any means but you were pretty upset but i think you handled it relatively well like i know that you definitely could have gotten a lot more angry in that moment <laughs> so i think you handled it pretty pretty decently i mean i think i would probably would have responded similarly if it was my car yeah obviously that's a trivial example that isaac had, had where we had a crucial conversation and i think for isaac and i you know we usually really haven't had a lot of need for like some really heart-to-heart crucial conversations because we've always been very respectful of each other and we've always had a very good relationship at a very early early onset of our existence if you will but i know there's a lot of people out there that have a very very difficult time having a good relationship with their fathers and i think that's what isaac and i want to kind of share some tools on what we can do to kind of help navigate through that. Um, I know there are some extreme examples. You might have fathers that might be alcoholics or addicted to drugs, and it's very difficult to even get them to understand your perspective because the drugs are taking over or the alcoholism is taking over. Those are much more challenging. But we do even want to share maybe some 
elements and some tools that can help even some of those extreme cases of how you can have the beginnings of a, a safe place to have a good conversation. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, I think the main bottom line is is creating a safe space for these conversations. And at the end of the day, I do think there are certain situations, unfortunately, or certain individuals that uh, make it where it may not be a safe space to have these conversations. And you can try and maybe you have tried. And it's like I said, it's always ended in a fight or, you know, ended in you agreeing to not say anything at all. So one thing I think is really important for me is to address the fathers and have you, dad, as my father and as a father, just address the other fathers, you know, who may be listening to this to have more of like an introspective experience through listening to this podcast of, you know, really asking yourselves as fathers who are listening, like, am I creating a safe space for my child? And if not, why not? You know, oftentimes when there is a lot of these struggles or a lot of these hardships um, that one individual may have or or these conversations that you want to bring up, I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dad, but I do feel like majority of the time it's on the father who is more hard to reach or hard to get to. So I'll give a, a couple examples is like, if you're disagreeing about something, it's because the dad, you know, doesn't want to listen to his son and maybe has more pride of like playing the father card or maybe just doesn't want to hear their son out because they feel like they know best because they're older and they're the father. Or again, like you said, maybe there's just certain trauma or things that that, that the dad experiences that it's making it more challenging and there's creating roadblocks so the son can't feel comfortable or feel safe having these conversations. But would you say that most most of the times it's on the parent to kind of create the safe space, to create the environment for the child to be able to open up, to be able to have these conversations with their fathers. I do think it obviously goes both ways, but do you agree with my kind of thought on, you know, it is a greater responsibility on the parent than maybe the child to create that safe space? Yeah, ideologically, the parent is older, you know, theoretically wiser and should be the instigator in creating that safe space. However, we got to look at the perspectives of all the different variable fathers that are out there. Some fathers have grown up in very broken homes and they only are going to know what they have experienced. So if they had experienced a bad father or, you know, and that father experienced a bad relationship with their father, history repeats itself you know, multiple times. So there's going to be one or two ways that people will react to that. They'll either follow the same pattern of how they're, you know, conversing with their own kids, um, how they treat them, how they raise them, or they're going to learn from those bad mistakes and they're going to want to do something different. Uh, for me personally, you know, my father and I had a decent relationship. It wasn't like the type of relationship that I have with you, where it was very more open, very transparent, very heartfelt, we can engage in conversation like this anytime, anywhere, and have a very profound experience with that conversation. I never had that type of relationship with my own father. He was a disciplinarian, so I respected that about him. But for me, and what I learned from him, there's good things that I learned that I took, but there's also things that I didn't like about his raising that I did not want to do for myself as a father. So I, again, so the perspective that I have for myself was learning, taking good things from my relationship with my own father but learning also from the bad examples and not wanting to repeat that cycle. Why I was able to do that, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just the capacity of maybe who I was, but it is, I think, a, a very personal decision. But it does start. I think every re positive relationship begins. You cannot 
affect somebody else's reaction, right? You cannot make choices for them, but you can make choices for yourself. So I really think the first principle that I want to share, it starts with your own heart and it starts with yourself. You know, you got to work on me first. It even says that in, the, in that book, Crucial Conversations, work on you first and then us. Uh, what do you what do you think about that first principle? I think, do you feel like that's important? So like even from a son's perspective, how can they work on themselves? And I think sometimes sons feel a sense of obligations like, oh, my father doesn't love me because I'm this and this and this. You think that's why a lot of kids or sons have a hard time relating with their fathers in a positive way? Yeah, I think it can be a many different reasons why they don't relate or feel like they can. And I think you touched on a lot of those. I really do think it, it comes down to, and that's why I asked that question is, I'm think, I think I'm thinking of, of things from the son perspective, right? Of like, if a son is struggling with their father, you know, is it certain things that the father has done in the past or th- certain things that the father has said where the son or daughter or whoever doesn't feel safe opening up to that father figure? But I do agree that there is a certain level of preparedness that needs to also happen when a son maybe is doing something wrong or the son's at fault. And maybe you as a dad want to have the crucial conversation, you know, with me. A good example, if we wanted to go off the car example is like, Maybe a crucial conversation that you'd have with me at the time, you know, I was in college, didn't have much money, but you want to have me take some responsibility and contribute towards the cost of the repairs. That's a crucial conversation right there because now you're asking me to, you know, spend. So there does have to be a certain level of understanding from a son's perspective and a certain openness to, yeah, I do need to take responsibility for my actions. And and that's why my dad is having a crucial conversation with me right now, because yeah, I was in the wrong in this certain moment. So I definitely think that there, there is a required sense of humility that needs to take place for both the father and the son. And it's not just about the son. It's not just about the father. It's about coming together to be able to kind of handle some of these tougher situations or or life events that, you know, inevitably transpire that we want to communicate with our loved ones. Yeah, I think that's very key is like making sure we have a plan in place of what you expect out of that relationship or out of that conversation. So, you know, obviously it could be telling your dad for the first time that you're homosexual and you've been experiencing these feelings for for years, but you know how your dad feels maybe negatively or maybe arrogantly about homosexuals. And you know that's going to be a very difficult conversation to have. Um, So I think the key thing is making sure you find a safe space and a safe time to do it. And I think obviously if your dad is negatively talking about homosexuals, that's not the time to bring it up because you may defensively want to say something. It's like, hey, well, guess what, dad, by the way, I'm gay. And you're talking about me in that same way that you're talking about all the other homosexuals. That's not, in my opinion, the best time and place to kind of bring that up. But I think when you're able to provide again, a safe space to kind of have those conversations. And I think the thing is you got to kind of be confident in the facts of why you started feeling that way, when you started feeling that way, and how you really just want your dad to just love you for who you are and see where it goes. Because it's it's not going to be just one conversation that they navigate through that tough, you know, part of that conversation. And a critical element of this too is like if if one of the parties isn't creating a safe space, if they're becoming defensive, if they're coming becoming combative, then you know, unfortunately, like they're not ready for this conversation. You know, I think that there's, exactly. and this is something that I've heard from other therapists too, is they say, hey, like if this person's not ready, like that's okay. And, or maybe somebody's combative, 
you know, as a dad, you find out maybe, maybe somebody, maybe somebody that told you like, oh, your son's gay. And you go to your son and you're like, yo, I heard, you know, I heard that you told me you're, uh, somebody told me that you're gay. Is that true? And you kind of come at it in an attacking way. Then the son, you know, we'd be like, oh, this is my time to have a crucial conversation. No, like, again, that's not a safe space to have the conversation. So as the son or, you know, you may have to be willing to also set a boundary and be like, yeah, I understand you may have heard that. I'm not comfortable having that conversation with you right now, but happy to have that conversation with you at a different time. And, and you know, again, kind of setting that boundary if if one of the parties is uh, not responding appropriately. But before it gets to that point, what we want to do is kind of give you the framework to have these conversations, what that framework looks like. And then we're going to do a couple role plays, a bad one and a good one to kind of understand the difference. So you all can have some tools to equip yourself with. And, you know, obviously, you know, coming out to a father is like a great example, but it could be something about, you know, politics, the political campaigns coming up. You may have differing views about certain things. And, Again, maybe some families are like, we just don't know. We can't talk about politics together because we just will never agree. And it's going to be a cause for contention. Or if you really, truly want to have an open, safe conversation about something like that, then, you know, you you can kind of maybe use some of these tools to equip yourself with to have some of these more challenging conversations. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Isaac. I think certain things are off limits between certain, you know, certain even in the family relationship, right? Like sometimes politics and religion, you know, especially if there's differences of strong differences of opinion, sometimes there's not going to be a good meeting place. You just have to kind of agree to disagree. But let's just share those points. So I'm going to share four points that I think will be good to have crucial conversations we talked about this already. One is start with the heart. You know, work on me first, then us second. Focus on what you really want. That's the first thing. Start with your own heart. The second one is, like Isaac mentioned earlier, notice when safety is at risk. The reaction in a bad relationship, there'll be either silence or violence. So you want to try to avoid that as much as possible. Sometimes being silent is probably the safe thing to do, but definitely don't want to get into the violent mode in, in response to you know, aspects of a conversation. Find a mutual purpose, you know, while you're trying to find that safety. You know, so try to find a mutual purpose that both of you can work towards. And I think that will help engage that crucial conversation in the right path. The third thing is state your state your path. State which again that mutual purpose. And there's an acronym with S-T-A-T-E, which I'll share with you in regards to that third step. S is to share your facts. T is to tell your story. A is to ask for others' path, the person that you're having this conversation with. And T is to talk tentatively. Your tone, the way you speak, that's all very important. It's not just how what you say, but how you say it. And then the last one is encourage some testing or invite the person's point of view into their conversation so you can understand them as well. And the last tool is to move into an action for resolution and peace. So I think I, once you kind of go through those first three steps, then the ultimate thing is like, hey, how can we give this some resolution and how can we have peace in regards to our relationship? What do you think, Isaac? Should we share some examples? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go for it. So uh, give us a scenario for this crucial conversation. Let's do like, uh, let's say uh, maybe I'm like 18 years old, you know, kind of going through that senior year of high school and I decide I don't want to go to college. Yeah, interesting. We talked about this in our education podcast. Um, so we'll we'll share that with you soon. But uh, go ahead. So I find out, let's say you're the one, you're the, you're making that decision. So obviously I might not have any idea. I'm expecting you to go to college, that you're going to go, maybe apply to some schools that I went to, maybe where your mom went to. But you have other plans to tell us, tell us how that, how you navigate that. 
this will be the bad example first, and then which we think would make. I'll kind of I'll act how I feel like it typically probably plays out. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna role play. We're gonna actually act this stuff out as best we can. And then we'll do like the better example following this framework again. So uh, yeah, Dad, uh, I decided I'm just not gonna apply to any schools this year. What do you mean you're not gonna apply to any schools? Um, give me. Can you be more specific? I'm not. I'm not gonna apply to schools. I just don't want to go. I mean, you're just not going to apply this year? Just, are you looking at taking some time off and just maybe going back to school, like maybe in a year, just giving yourself a gap year or what? No, I don't want to go to school. Wait, 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 wait. You don't want to go to college at all. You know if you don't have a chance to go to college. Educate. We've taught you for 18 years of your life. College is super important, and the only way you're going to get a good job is get a college education, basically follow that career path, and using education as your tool to be successful. Do you not agree with that? No. I mean, I'll just go work at the local shop and... <laughs> What local shop? What are your What is your plans? What the hell are you talking about? Come on now, dude. I can just stay here. What's the no, 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 no. You know, you're 18. You're not going to be li- living at home. You're going to basically, if you're going to go work at that local shop, you're going to have to find your own place to play. And you know what? You're going to live paycheck to paycheck. Is that what you really want to do? Okay, boomer. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're not going to have. You're not going to find a nice wife to get married yeah, to. Okay, boomer. Hey. Yeah, yo, college is for boomer. boomers, dude. Yeah. You don't need college anymore, man. Yo, you, we, millennial, yeah. you millennials, dude. Think you guys... I have a hundred k on TikTok. Hey. Okay, I'm going to get sponsorships. <laughs> yeah. I don't need college. Hundred k? You mean a hundred followers? Hundred thousand followers? Yeah. Are you making any money on that right now? Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going no, to. No, no, you're going to. Well, you when I start seeing dollar signs coming out of your bank you account. Know, you don't believe in me. This is the problem, man. You never believe in me. I'm Forget you. I'm done. No, no, no. no I'm no. done with this conversation. No. You never believe in me. Bye. I, we, Click. <laughs> <laughs> that was, oh, good. That was oh, kind of good. That was yeah. a little realistic. I, did, I, did, I, did, I didn't realize we were on the phone. <laughs> I thought we were like face to face. The click was the door. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, you should have just slammed. <laughs> So I feel like that's a pretty. That was yeah, pretty that's good. Really, I, I, that I was, really got, felt like we got into character. Oh yeah, I mean it could have escalated even further. He could have slammed the door, and I could have bolted through. We could have got into like a, a very contentious argument. But I can, you know, like could you imagine? This is probably a very real conversation. <laughs> that I think because when I think it, I'm laughing because I I know so many people, um, friends of mine that have gone through this. <laughs> it is so realistic. Uh, so anyway, can we start with using these tools and see if we can. Make it a little bit more positive. Yep, absolutely. Right, so, so we'll, talk, we'll, we'll share those. So basically, we're going to redo that scenario, but we're going to use the four tools uh, that we learned ourselves um, and how to navigate through this in a positive way. So obviously, the sun. Let's let's talk about your perspective first, Isaac. Feels very strongly that college is not the scenario for him. So let's see how this plays out. I don't even know how what Isaac's thinking. So I'm so that we haven't we haven't rehearsed this at all. This is the first time we're doing this, by the way. So just want to let you guys know this is like uh, on the fly, on the fly. This, yeah. is real. So, this is real. So this is again, this this comes into play, you know, as the son, or even just the the child, you do have to come prepared to have these conversations. So we're hoping that this is as helpful for the parents as it is the children. And so this is a great example of coming prepared to break this news to your father and so the first step being start with the heart i'm gonna go ahead and and start with the heart and state my path and and really kind of just open up this conversation with with you as my dad hey dad hey how you doing son what's going on not much uh is it is it okay time to is this an okay time for us to sit down and have a little chat uh yeah i was getting ready to go to the store but yeah if this is important let's uh let's let's i want to give you some time to talk this what you got on your mind 
Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately. And as you know, you know, high school has been really, really tough for me. You know, I've obviously really struggled to get good grades. And I know we've gone through a number of different tutors and things like that. And luckily, I am coming up on graduation, which I'm really proud of myself for getting to this point in my life to be able to graduate high school, because I know it's been a tough, long road, especially this past year, having some senioritis, like it's been really tough for me to stay focused. And so something that's really been on my mind that I just really wanted to talk to you about is I know that as I'm coming up on like the the typical time that I am supposed to be applying to schools and, and going to college, I think it's important for me to maybe assess a different path for myself and see if there's like another way that I can become successful without maybe going like the traditional college route. Well, your mom and I have spent a lot of time, like you said, finding good tutors for you to kind of help you be successful. And I think you've done pretty good getting through your classes and your GPAs are not stellar, but enough, good enough to get into some decent schools. Or even if you don't feel like going to a four-year university, maybe just boosting up your GPA by going to a community college. I still feel like uh, you have the capacity to get a good college education because as you know, your mom and I have really encouraged you to get this education because we know it's going to be a good stepping stone to basically have a good career and be able to support yourself and your future family. So I think I, I still feel like you have the capacity to do this and to, and to, and to do well. I mean, obviously, Obviously, there's different roads to take, but uh, I mean, what were your thoughts about that? Maybe just going to a community college or maybe just still going, go through the pro- application process and just see what happens because you can always say no later. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you sharing that with me and like saying that. And it means a lot that you guys believe in me. And honestly, I believe in myself too. And I just think about what I'm into and some of my interests. And as you know, I'm really into photography and making videos and things of that nature. And just thinking about if I were to choose that as a major, like maybe my time would be a lot better spent actually like honing in on my skills and spending this time to really dedicate to building my craft and maybe taking like photography classes and trying to build out a business that way rather than going like the college route just because there's nothing after doing a lot of research with all these different majors the only thing that really has stuck out to me is photography but I feel like you know with something creative like this college isn't necessary that I can maybe be more hands-on and learn more by doing and maybe trying to get new clients on my own rather than going like the, the traditional college route. Oh, yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, I'm fine not having to pay for a four year college just to, you know, to kind of do photography. I kind of look at photography more as a hobby. But I know if you have a passion for it and you do really well with it, you can probably do some, you know, make a living out of it. But I think it's a hard path. I do not necessarily agree that's the best path for you. But obviously, this is something you feel passionate about. So in my opinion, I think it's good to kind of maybe start the process and looking at what cost to go. I think you should take uh, photography classes to get good at the craft, you know, rather than just doing it through experience. You know, Isaac, that I think uh, there's two ways to be successful in life. One is to either work hard with your hands or hard with your mind. You know, if you don't feel like uh, doing the uh, traditional education route of using your mind to kind of build your repertoire of success instead of using your hands, then, then that's fine. I don't have any problems with that. So I think as long as you Commit yourself to photography 100%. I'm backing you 100%. How do you feel about that? You sound good with that? Yeah, I'm so surprised that you just changed your mind so quickly, Dad. Wow, thanks. Well, I don't think it's so much a changing your mind. Like I said, I, I, I trust you. You are 18. You're an adult now. So, you know, you, you know, I've lived my life. I've chose my path. And I think it's your opportunity to, 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 to choose your path for yourself and uh, to make sure you go about it in a, in a good way. So I think uh, ultimately I want you to have success and most importantly happiness in your life so i think if this is the journey that you want to pursue then 
and we'll see what where it goes. And you know, I, I know we can always change our mind, and you can always pursue. You know, it's not like an end all, be all type of uh, decision. So that's the good thing about life. You know, we can always change our mind later and do do different things. But I think uh, it's important that you kind of learn to uh, to experience your own path and and do what I can to support you as best as, as we can. I'll talk to mom about it as well. And seeing. <laughs> How did you feel about that? I feel great. I mean, like I said, I think that's kind of like the conversations that I typically have with you kids. I mean, you know, obviously, um, you know, when you guys all have different personalities and, you know, I think as a parent, you got to have flexibility, right? I mean, like, you know, we talked about this in our second episode. It's like when we have differences of uh, opposing decisions in life, it can create a lot of conflict and you're going to engage in crucial conversations like this. And I think the key thing is having that flexibility. And I think sometimes I even come up in my own mind, believe it or not, it's like, well, what if my child decides not to do this? How would I react? I mean, that's just what I do. I don't know if other parents do that. Um, you know, but I think, you know, creating what ifs um, for your children um, kind of helps a person navigate. Sometimes people don't even think about it. It's like, oh, I don't want to even bring that up in my mind because, you know, I don't want to put it out there. But uh, But in all reality, sometimes I think that, you know, so I think, I've already mentally prepared for some of these scenarios. Anyway, that's just my thought. That's really wise. Um, yeah, like mentally preparing for the worst case scenario in your mind or if something were to happen, that would be really hard for you, like mentally wrapping your brain around it. So if it does happen, it's not like this daunting thing. I do I do feel like you you did go really easy on me in that scenario. I think that one thing that was different where I pushed back and was like, oh, you know, I still want to go to you know, I think maybe a lot of parents would have been like, well, let's have you try college first and really stick by that. Right. And then, and then be like, okay, hey, then if you don't like it, we can reassess after your first semester or first year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess like if you were a tougher father, cause I'm sure there are fathers listening that are like, Oh, you know, I wouldn't just give in to my son that easily. Yeah. Um, how would you handle it at that point? Yeah. I mean, obviously everybody's personality is going to be different. So I'm more of a, probably more of a flexible type of personality where I'm going to go with the flow type of deal. But I think there are some fathers out there that are going to be really hard and, and disown the child, unfortunately, because they don't want to go to college or even go to college of their, of their choosing. It's like, Oh, you can't, you're not going to go to any other college. I'm not going to pay for any college, but, it, but this one right here, because this is where I went this is where your mom went. Da, da, da. So I think, I think when you're parenting in that mindset, there's a higher chance of combativeness or just disagreement and there's going to be contention, I should say. So if you're okay to live with that, and that's why a lot of kids end up, once they leave the home, they don't come back to visit. And I hate to see that for parents. I think they, that can change. And sometimes that happens for a while before the parents actually loosen up. Sometimes it takes two or three years of not having to speak with their kid and they start feeling bad about it and start changing their attitude. And hope our goal here is to prevent that from happening for long periods of time. I think that's always my philosophy is like nip it in the bud. Uh, communication is so key. Um, conversing and having good positive communication is so, pe- so key. That's one of the purposes of this podcast, right? Is just to really have real talk with fathers and sons as, as, as the podcast is called. And uh, I think this is an important, very, very important tools, not only for fathers and sons, but for, for you know, marriages, for spouses, for coworkers, um, for superiors, bosses, you know, whatever. I think you can use these tools to help any in any conversation piece. These crucial conversation tools at work, you have a scenario where this helped with like maybe a boss or maybe trying to get a raise or something like that. 
Yeah, I mean, there was there was a time where I had a coworker and we just never saw eye to eye. We just had different perspectives on a lot of things and we didn't get along. I won't sugarcoat it. She didn't like me. I didn't like her. And it's funny because the company that we worked for required us to take this training. And we basically utilize these tools to open up to each other and basically have this conversation of like, hey, you've approached certain things in this way. This is my perspective. It's been hard for me to deal with the way that you've treated me in these scenarios, because it seems like based on these specific examples that I'm giving you, this is the, my perspective of what you think about me or, or how you've treated me. And then she had the opportunity to open up to me and, and kind of share some of her perspective of certain things that she saw uh, or behaviors that I was doing that she disagreed with. And so it was good for us both to kind of, again, go through these steps of like, start with the heart. Uh, we created a safe space. We sat in each other's office. Well, she, I went and sat in her office and we had a conversation. You know, I stayed in my path and then kind of ended the conversation of concluding like, hey, this was good. I think we both kind of got some things off our chest. We were, had a very mature conversation. It's not like everything was good after that, right? Like I think there was still disagreements that we continued to have. We still didn't see eye to eye, but that conversation, I think definitely like gave us both greater awareness of each other's perspectives at the very least. Yeah, that's so, that's the key. And so it's like, yeah, we, you know, we may not disagree. We're not going to be besties after this or even really honestly still like each other. Like we, we really didn't get along at all. But I think there was a, a greater level of respect for each other after that conversation and a greater level of understanding. And I think at the end of the day, that's the key, like you said, is is creating that safe space. Like, unfortunately, you know, people are going to have differing personalities, right? Like they're they're just not going to get along or they're going to have completely different perspectives about things and they may never see eye to eye. These conversations can help. They can be a tool and they can bring things back together. They maybe can mend relationships. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the people and the willingness with that relationship of whether they want it to work, right? And that's why it starts with the heart, obviously, because I think if they have the humility to kind of basically make that relationship work, they will. But both parties have to do it, really, right? But I think I think one of the parties have to be the courageous one and be the better person, if you will, to kind of help initiate that initial conversation. And, and then you, you, you got to, because a crucial conversation is a true dialogue. There's got to be a free flow of information from both the receiver and the giver. And I think once that free flow of dialogue starts to occur, then you're on the right path. But if there is like stagnant or is like I said, silence or violence, then obviously you got to wait. You might just have to like, all right, hey, look, this is, this is not a good time. Let's just, let's just wait. And I think a, one way to kind of help break the ice is to really get to know that person and their, perp, you know, their, their mutual purpose of what they want for your relationship. And I think one way to do that is to get to know them on a personal level. You know, do they have, families are great. Do they have kids? Do they have family? Where are they from originally? What are their interests? What are their likes? And getting to know them, you know, if it's a stranger specifically, like somebody at, at work, um, but more even your, your own parents, you know, getting to know about their past. Hey, how was it when you were raised? No. People always love to talk about their past, especially if it's been positive, but sometimes if it's negative, they still will talk about it because they want to share what they've gone through. And I think that's a good building block anyway. So those, those again, it's just find that safe space. Again, those those four steps. Can I, please get the book, Crucial Conversations, and I think apply it, you know, read it, apply it in your life, and you'll really have a better relationship with not only your father and son situation, but other family members, uh, as well as coworkers and friends and neighbors and things of that sort. Yeah, I think the number one thing I got out of this, which is really good advice too that you gave, you said this earlier, was like starting with your why. 
of like, what do you want to have as the outcome of these conversations? Mm. Oftentimes we always want to be understood or we want, we want to be loved and accepted. Mm. And I think the book kind of talks about that, right? It, yeah. it, in some other chapters, it's like, that's really ultimately what we want is we want to be understood, loved and accepted. And so usually it's one of those three things, right? When these conversations are, are happening that are high stakes or crucial conversations. And so, you know, if you're going into this, you know, as the son again, you know, going to college, it's like, hey, I want my dad to understand that the path that he wants for me isn't the path that I want for myself. Yeah. And I want to try this a different way. Right. Or, you know, the the understanding with my coworker and I is like it was I think the outcome we wanted was, hey, you know, we haven't been getting along. It's causing a riff in our relationship, but that's also affecting the team as a whole because we're part of this team and people can see that we don't get along. And so it's affecting like our effectiveness at work and being able to have, you know, more of like a team spirit. So we should figure this out, not only just for ourselves and for each other, but for the team and, and for the company that we're working for. Because if we don't figure this out, right, like this is going to be continue to be a challenge because we have to work together. Right. A lot yeah. of people are in certain situations where it's like you can't really necessarily get out of that situation. So how can right. we work through it to make it better yeah. if, if you're in that in that predicament? Um, so, you know, these are, again, some things that I would just think about, uh, as you're preparing for these conversations, as you're having these conversations, we'd love to hear your feedback if, if this was helpful. Um, and as you guys continue to go into the holiday season, oftentimes you're going to be with family, extended family, and, and maybe some of these things will continue to come up and maybe you do need to have some of these conversations with your loved ones. So we hope that this is timely um, for y'all as you are wanting to, you know, build these bridges and have real talk. Real talk with father and son, as well as with your own family members. Yeah, this is a, like Isaac said, this is a great time to kind of prepare yourself for these, you know, family times that you'll probably have with family uh, during the holidays. So, um, you know, please, we know that we gave you some examples of work and just uh, family, but there's, you know, so many other people that are hurting, maybe abusive relationships where you need to have a crucial conversation or maybe just uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. And the book really talks a lot about different scenarios in regards to that. And uh, it's a great, great resource to kind of help you further. Um, but we really hope this podcast is helpful and that people will use the tools that we talked about. And uh, please let us know what you think about this content, uh, as well as letting us know if there's other types of content that you'd like to hear about in the future. And uh, we're glad we're glad we're here. If you enjoyed this episode, please share. We appreciate your feedback and would love to know what topics you want us to discuss in the future. Our goal is to inspire and enable you to have healthy conversations with your loved ones, all while keeping it real.